You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMSCast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, Cindy Nicholson from thecoursewhisperer.co. How are you doing, Cindy? I'm doing very well, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show. You help course creators with content creation. I help course creators with technology. This is a natural fit. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you about your journey uh, as a teacher and as a you know content creator and all that stuff. You started, I think, with an interest in accounting. Then you got went into teaching, started teaching phys ed and math, and then you left that to go into the corporate world with the training piece. Can you describe that journey and how you ended up? And now you're over here with entrepreneurs who are wanting to teach online. Yeah, how, it's in- how did it go? Yeah, it's interesting to hear everybody's journey. And um, mine kind of is a very journey, but with this underlining theme of training and education. So it wasn't that I was an accountant. I always thought I wanted to be an accountant, but I ended up um, being a high school teacher. Um, Phys ed and math were my two teaching subjects. And while I loved teaching, I didn't love the curriculum or what I was teaching. And so back then it was really hard to get a full-time teaching job. So I started to explore other job opportunities or other jobs I could do. And I was really interested in the financial industry. So I actually quit teaching and went to become a financial advisor. And um, like Edward what, Jones or something like that. What's that? Like Edward Jones or Smith Barney or something like that. Yeah, well, it's it was at um, one of the big banks in Canada here called CIBC. So it was a financial okay. within the bank. And uh, just by chance, I had lunch with one of my colleagues one day because I wasn't enjoying being a financial advisor. And he said, "Well, how about have you considered corporate training, considering your background is in teaching?" And so I, I. interestingly, when I got back to the office, there was a job posting for a corporate trainer um, at my bank and I applied for it and got it, loved it. Um, And so I taught financial advisors, you know, how to, you know, provide advice to their clients and the sales training. And I loved it and did it for a number, number of years. But then I decided I wanted to stay home with my kids. And uh, um, because my kids were really young at that point and I, when you get out of the corporate world (laughs) and realize what it's like to not work in the corporate world, you kind of resist going back. And so what I started doing then is I started to look at, you know, what I might want to do instead that would allow me to be closer to home. And with my phys ed background, I really got interested in nutrition. And I thought I was going to build a business online in nutrition. It's a good niche. Yeah, well, exactly. And it's huge. And anyway, um, you know, as one is to do when you decide to build an online course or or online business is you start taking courses, online courses to figure out how it's all done. And what was happening as I was taking all of these online courses, I really struggled with how the material was delivered. I really struggled with how they were all put together. And so So was was that a lot of experts with bad teaching skills, basically? 
Well, that's what I found is, you know, their, their copy was great in terms of their copywriting to get you to buy the course. But once you got into the course, it really, you know, had a lot to be desired. And one of the courses I was taking, I was in a little mastermind group as part of the course. And what I totally remember this perfectly clearly. I was on the phone with one of the girls in my uh, mastermind group and I was helping her with, and it's interesting, it was an accounting course that she was creating. And I was helping her figure out how to put it all together because she was, you know, she was really struggling with how to take all of that information and put it into a course. Anyway, I, we spent about an hour on the phone. I got off the phone and two things occurred to me. Number one, wow, that was really fun. I really enjoyed doing it. And two, I realized I had a skill set. I had no idea that the ability to kind of take all of this information and kind of distill it into learning material was actually a skill and that some people really struggled with it. And so that's when the light bulb went off for me based on my training background is maybe I can help entrepreneurs like figure out how to take all that information and put it into a course that makes sense because there's so many courses out there that just kind of miss the mark as far as I'm concerned. That's an amazing journey. And uh, there's a lot I want to unpack in that. <laughs> first, on this podcast, we talk about one of the, the big challenge of course creators is what I call the five hats problem, where you have to be an expert, you have to be a teacher, you have to be a community builder, you have to be a technologist, and you have to be an entrepreneur. It's very hard for one person to wear all those hats or even successfully build a small team with limited resources to fulfill all the, the requirements there. So what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, there's a lot of experts out there who maybe have some entrepreneur skills in marketing and selling the course. But then when it comes down to the actual teaching and delivery, they're back at square one with the experts curse problem where they have all this expertise. It's like swimming around in their head and they don't know how to, you know, necessarily build an outline for the course or how to teach or to empathize with the student. Or they end up creating the most dangerous kind of course, which I lovingly call the resource course. It's like this giant library and it's a little overwhelming to the actual student. How, what advice do you have for that person who's like, okay, I hear you. I want to become a better teacher. What's, when we're at ground zero, what do they need to be thinking about? It's so true, Chris. It is so true. And probably the single biggest um, thing I work with my clients is how to pull them back from just dumping content and information on their students. It's, you know, from a learning perspective, less is more. And I keep saying that over and over again to my clients, less is more. And so really, when, if people are trying to think, you know, they have an idea of a course, is for them to really focus on and answer the question, what is the problem you are solving? You know, it's not, you're not creating a course on SEO or you're not creating a course on nutrition. What is the actual problem that you're solving? And so that's really what your starting point is. And, you know, once you validate that that's a real problem that your audience has, then it's a matter of, well, what are the steps somebody needs to take to get there? Not more, not less. I often will ask my clients, you know, is this a need to know or is it a nice to know? 
because what your clients want or what your students are need is like the shortest distance between getting from where they are today to where they want to go. They don't need all of these combinations and permutations of, of getting there. They need just your expert advice as, as to what you found is the simplest way of getting from point A to point B. So start with the problem and then identify the steps that you need in order to get there. Um, and then really kind of, it, it, it's tough, I know, because people are wanting to feel like they add value, right? They want to feel like they want to give more and give as much as they can. And that only is a detriment when it comes to online training. I will often say, you know, if it's something you still want to include it in the course, include it as a bonus. You know, you can add it as something supplemental to the course, but keep your course itself lean and mean so that they can get there in the shortest time possible without being overwhelmed. There's a couple different uh, like styles, I guess that you would call it, of course creation that I see, especially new course creators trying to do. One is I'm going to create my flagship course. It's always going to be this one course. It's going to be this. This is my thing. I'm going to make it better every year, every six months. I'm going to rebuild it based on results to get people to get better results. Um, or this person is like, the more dangerous model is like, I'm an expert. I'm going to do a membership. I'm going to have this like giant catalog of like 20 courses. I'm going to start with whatever course number one is, and I'm just going to keep going and going. That's totally a viable model. But um, when I look at the the course creators that are successful, uh, there's a higher odd of success. If you start with just focusing on like one flagship course versus starting with a membership and this huge course catalog and everything, although that it is possible to do that. I'm not saying it's not possible, but do you have any advice for somebody at the beginning? Who's like, not sure which way to go. Yeah. Well, well, it's interesting. Any of the clients that I've worked with so far, we have started with their signature system, really, you know, what it is, um, figuring out their process of what they do to make them good at what they do. So we often, I, I actually have not started out a client without that format. So we've always started out with kind of creating a signature system with the idea that it might build into some sort of membership um, um, later later and because then you can add to it but i think you really need to kind of flush out build an audience with that initial signature system and then you can add to it um i I think it would be extreme and you know certainly there's exceptions to every rule but i think it would be difficult to start out as a membership um um and and have the audience and the following that you want without having that initial signature course and program yeah what about like um, picking your target market? So one of the things experts have to do is they need to decide whatever their niche is, do I wanna go after beginners? Do I wanna go people that are kind of in the middle or do I wanna help other experts that are moral class, but they're not quite, they need a little help to like go from like, they're already doing it at the top and they wanna go big. Should you always start with the beginner's market? Should you go to the middle? Like, what do you recommend? Or I'm sure that's an it depends answer, but what? <laughs> how can people think about that? Because I see people like doing, they're trying to cater to all these levels at the same time right out of the gate. Yeah. It's challenging. I, well, I think what you've just said there is what's key. 
is that you need to define who your market is rather than try to cater to everyone. Um, so I'm, uh, and, and, you know, it is, as you say, it depends. I've kind of done everything. I've mm-hmm. uh, had people create kind of 101 courses for people who are big beginners, 201 courses for people who, you know, already have that background but want to level it up. And then I've also done it for, you know, a coach teaching other coaches. So I think it totally depends. But the biggest thing is that you are super clear on who your audience is. Um, and, and again, that will help you guide the content that you put in the course because, um, you know, is this something that this person at this level needs to know, or do they already know know it? Or is this is brand new material? And I'll I'll just give you an example. Um, I, uh, you know, and how I was telling you, I was taking online courses. I took, uh, I had taken a number of different courses that I had decreed a moratorium on taking any more courses. I wasn't going to do any more. I had taken enough. And so I wasn't, uh, that was it. I was done. And then I got an email um, in my inbox uh, from a business coach. And, and again, I was not planning on taking any more courses. I was not in the business, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to read her email just, you know, from a, looking at her copyright or what have you. And as I read her email, she, um, you know, talked about her course. And one of the things that she was super clear in her uh, description of the course was who her target market was. So she talked about how, how, what income you should be around. It talked about what status you are with your website and, and having um, the automation email set up. She talked about um, how many clients you had um, up until that date. And as I was reading it, of course, it was like, oh my gosh, she's describing me exactly. And so, of course, I ended up signing up for her course. But so that was one thing. It was really attractive from a marketing standpoint. But number two, once I got into the course, everything, all of the pieces of content that were in there applied to me directly. And so I got a lot of value out of it and I finished the course. And so I think that just really goes to show being super clear on who your audience is, is great from a marketing perspective, but also from a engagement and completion rate when they get into the course. Wow. That's good. That is a lot of specifics um, to like for your segment, like who you help. It's not just like, like you mentioned earlier, you mentioned nutrition, like there's a lot of specifics needed to like define a segment and an angle that you're going to focus on. And I know personally for me, like I've gone to some, uh, like for example, in a a little over a week from now, I'm going to Mexico to a, a mastermind I go to with companies that have, you know, WordPress product businesses, but it is so specific, the type of people that are there that like, this is my fourth year going because it is, it's for people just like me. And there's not that many of us per se, or at least it's a very specific niche. So it's very useful. And the conversations are so spot on. And I, I, and uh, yeah. And I just, just saying how important that is. It's just some general advice, like in the course creation space, I look at, you know, three main mega niches, which is health business and relationships. So if you're looking for a segment, one of the things you have to match is uh, like, you know, there's that whole hedgehog concept, like your skills, your passion and market demand. So the, uh, those things need to overlap. 
And and the people, if you're going to create a course, they need to have to be able to afford to buy it, especially if it's higher priced and includes any kind of live coaching that takes your time and stuff like that, or masterminding or group coaching or whatever. And you mentioned in that email you got, it was like businesses that already had this these types of clients, which means they're already profitable and have cash flow, and they're of a certain size. So it's I guess what I'm saying is it's very different if you're going to make a course for businesses that are haven't even started yet people who want to start a business versus people who let's say are already doing a hundred thousand dollars in cash flow and want to scale to a million that you if you have the expertise to do both they're both valid and both possible but if you go after the people that already have traction and can move up that just seems to me like a less risky endeavor i don't know if you have any comments on that yeah no it's a, it's a great point um and it's and it's really also kind of you know my business model as well in terms of you know i work with clients who um, aren't necessarily just starting up in their business i'm working with clients that are established um and want to kind of scale their business and you know maybe don't have the time or the expertise to kind of do it, you know, just on their own. So I think I think you're right because there's the opportunity there um, is that that people have the capacity and also the motivation to actually move forward to the next step because that first step is really big hurdle to get over. Yeah, I think that motivation is also a key thing. And and it's funny when you told your story, the same thing popped up to me. I remember when I saw the blog post about this mastermind. It was like. It was so spot on. I was like, I'm going. That's it. <laughs> Even though and it wasn't it wasn't uh, you know, a no it cost expense to get there, but it was just so targeted. And when you have that kind of effect on your ideal student, that's what you're going for. So if you're doing any kind of market research or putting up a landing page or whatever, that I think look for that response because that's that's critical. Yeah, it's so hard too because people think that that's going to exclude people, but it really, really doesn't. It just speaks directly to, you know, who your audience is for. And 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 again, it's it's if if you are creating the content, it's so much easier to create the content as well because you're going to you don't need to worry about making sure you cover all of the bases. You just need to cover cover the bases for that particular student. And, you know, students, when they get into a course, they're hypersensitive as to, you know, what's of value for them. And if, if they perceive stuff that is either too basic or too advanced, they're gone and they're not coming back. And so again, that's why it's so important to be super specific so that all of the content for your particular audience is relevant to them because that motivates them to keep going on in your course as well. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I just want to add, the world is a very big place. So if you feel like you're being exclusive or too targeted, if you nail it, especially if what you're offering is not really geographic dependent, um, you know, the, the, the world is quite large. And, you know, you're, you, you don't necessarily need that many people to have a successful business. That is very true, Chris. Um. I was on your website. It's over at thecoursewhisperer.co. And you have a, if you opt in and give your email address, you, you talk about the five mistakes that course creators make. Could you share what some of those classic mistakes are and what people, um, and, and your take on them? Yeah, like, sure. what's, what's number one? Like, what's the top one? Well, we've talked about it already. It's just way too much content. <laughs> yeah. Way too much content. 
um, is, is single the biggest um, mistake that I see and single biggest reason why people don't finish courses, single pe- reason why people ask for re- refunds, everything is just way, way too much content. So if you can really kind of keep the bug in your brain, is this a need to know or a nice to know? That's usually the, 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 the you know, the way I test my clients um, as to what's to be included, but definitely way too, too much content is the single biggest mistake. Um, the other thing about having too much content in it, and I, you know, I'm currently working with a client who's doing a course on public speaking and her, you know, her, goal or her outcome is for people to want to be more confident in public speaking. And so again, as you know, what most course creators are doing is she has, she's like, she has all this information that she wants to share about how to speak better. And the thing to remember is when people are signing up for your course, they are, they, they are, uh, they don't have a lot of confidence in what they're learning from you. They don't have, don't feel like they can do it on their own. And if they get into a course that has tons and tons and tons of information, that is going to hinder, not help. It's going to make them feel even more less confident about what they're doing. So again, when I've gone back to my clients with public speaking, I was like, well, let's just focus on the high impact you know, things that they can focus on to increase their confidence, because that's what they want. People want to feel more confident in what they're doing. And the way to get them more confident is to give them manageable, actionable tips to help them move forward. So, so too much content is the biggest thing, focus on outcomes or results. The second thing is uh, uh, telling is not training. (laughs) What I mean by that is... What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that just because you say something in a video doesn't mean your learners are going to learn what they, what you've just said. Like you need to do video marketing on YouTube for your business or something. Right, right. So it's really, it's really, you know, let's say you do a whole video on marketing on YouTube and then you leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So... Telling is not training. So if you create a video, that is not a course. If you have a bunch of 10 different videos, that's not a course. That's just information organized into the less, into different videos. What's, um, what I also see in terms of mistakes is there's, uh, or what I recommend is having some sort of action item at the end of each video. Have a worksheet, have an activity, have a case study. Give them something so that they can do um, what they've just learned as opposed to just go on to the next video and okay, all of that information is great, but there's been no behavior change or there's been no application. So what I often see in these courses is that they're just video after video after video with no application of learning. So what I recommend is having after, after each lesson, have some sort of action item that, and get it as close to the real world as possible um, in terms of what that action item should be. Um, so that they start to apply it. Because after you've learned, if you've watched a five-minute video on how to do something that you're really interested in learning, you want to you wanna start doing it. So you're the, you're the most motivated to do it after that five-minute video. So get them to go and do it, which will help them with the learning process. So that's kind of the second mistake I often see is just that there's just videos in the courses. You need something something to make them apply it. In these times, um, I think it is important for course videos to be entertaining 
but there's this con concept of the edutainment, education and entertainment together that if you just do that and it's just the content and your student is really just in consumption mode, not action mode or not doing further exercises to integrate the learning, they're just consumers. They're not learners. Yeah. And there's a big difference there. Yeah. And, and, you know, some sort of combination is great to make it entertaining, but also have some sort of application. It's like, you know, watching a video on how to ride a bicycle. You can watch all of the videos that you want about how to ride a bicycle, but until you actually get out there and do it, you aren't figuring it out. And so um, I, I think some sort of combination, as long as the entertainment is not at the expense of the learning, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to pick your brain on something that we I talk about. One of our lead magnets at Lifter LMS is called the Course Blueprints. And there's like four, really five types of structures to a course. I was just looking for some feedback from you. One of them you already mentioned, which is a behavior change course. Another one we have, we talk about is like a process or learner process course. We talked about the dangerous one I call the resource course, which can be helpful. Like if somebody just needs like a library to reference from time to time, that's cool, but it's, it's really a slippery slope for the first time course creator. And then the fourth one is a, what I call a case study course where the, the teacher is really just collecting information. And you mentioned case studies and getting people to like integrate knowledge a little better. Uh, but the case study course is where, let's say a course creator is like, I don't know if I have everything I need to be successful teaching this. But the reality is like that person may have like tons of knowledge around case studies and stuff from other people that they can curate and put together, which is really valuable. And then the fifth type is just a combination of some or all of that. Um, how like for, for creating content for a course or creating the syllabus or the outline, those are some models I like to give people to like help maybe pick something or not like spray spray too much onto the the outline, if you will. What are what are your thoughts on structure besides just to build on what I said? Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I haven't thought about it in that way um, because I find that the most of the clients that I'm working with, most of the people are wanting to create a course where there's some sort of behavior change. So that is kind of how, you know, the type of courses that I've designed so far. But I like your idea about the whole case study, um, you know, in terms of which allows somebody to kind of walk through with you the process that they go through. So it's kind of a, a different way to share the kind of the same information. Um, the resource one, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I think that that's just the old way of, of doing training and learning that, um, um, you know, the way we used to learn at university or college sort of thing, they dumped the information on us and then we figured out how to use it. So I think that that's kind of an older traditional way of doing it. But I, 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 uh, I just want to touch on that. I have a friend you may know of Danny Any. he's a course creator. Yep. Guy. He talks about the difference between just in time learning versus just in case like the old way is like here's here's a giant suitcase of information just in case you need any of this whereas yeah. just in time is much smaller and tighter like you're talking about 
Yeah, and that's what I have found, and maybe it's just me and my evolution of of signing up for online courses, but I, I have gone from the just-in-case, you know, taking these massive courses to waiting until I feel like I'm having a problem about something and finding a course that's specific for that. I, I think that that's really way, the way the direction of online training is going, is because of the medium of doing things online, I think people are, are really looking for that just-in-time learning in terms of, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do this. I need a quick fix of how to solve it. And I'm going to go online to find that solution. I, I, you know, maybe it's just me, but I think people are less, okay, let's figure out, you know, let's not take a course on how to build an online business. Let's find what the specific problem actually is. It's a good way of putting it. I see it on your website. So it means you probably get asked a lot and it's related to what we're talking about, which is how long should a course be? Like, and I get that. And you, sometimes you get it in the macro or you get it in the micro, like how long should my lesson videos be? And somebody else, somebody inevitably in, on the social feed will say like two minutes because people don't have attention or, but I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on how? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the age old question, Chris, isn't it? Is how long should it be? <laughs> yeah. It's so hard because you always want to answer the questions with it depends. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So, how do I answer this? It depends. Well, I, I recommend that you don't have longer than five modules to your course. If and I so, if I can give a and, sorry. Oh, and I just want to clarify on that. Um, just with the language, by and I'm asking you by module. Do you mean an area that contains lots of lessons inside of it? Yeah. So in Lifter World, we call that a section, but it's the same okay. thing. Okay. And then what do you call it in between? Lessons. Lessons Less inside the module. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you come up, so you have a problem that you're solving for your client. So that, you know, they're starting here and they get to here. Mm -hmm. So each of the stepping stones are each of your sections of your course. And so I recommend really not having more than five. If you've got more than that, you're covering, you're covering too many problems. You haven't narrowed down the problem uh, clearly enough. So yeah. I wouldn't go more than five um, sections. Okay, and then so within, like, like limit it to five sections. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, if it's more than that, you, you may not be as specific with your problem. And if it's less than that, that's also okay. Because then it's like, it's, I'm saying don't go more than five. You don't have to go five. Um, and then within each of the sections, um, I wouldn't go more than five lessons. And so, you know, so each of the section is going to have its own specific outcome. You have an overall outcome and each section will have its own specific outcome. And then I wouldn't have more than five lessons within each of those sections. Again, so just to do the math, you're saying like no more than 30 lessons, really. And then five sections, like three to five sections. I think that's a good bumper, like, or like a, yeah, like bumpers. Like if you go outside exactly. this, it's going to be massive. Yeah. You can go definitely less. It's just when you get more than that, then then you get I get a little you know nervous in terms of it being too much. Um, and then just as far as the lessons <laughs> go, because again, I, I stick each lesson into one teaching point. So again, what what is it you want them to learn from that lesson? I you know 
five minutes is, you know, you don't want to have these 30-minute lessons. They're just way too long. Um, but five-minute lesson where it's one specific teaching point, and then you give them some sort of action item at the end of that teaching point, and then, then you move on to the next one. Um, so they, they've, they've got these mini successes as they go along the way. You want to have that. So that, that can be a pretty robust course. So, you know, that five-by-five five kind of structure is, uh, is really kind of for the signature courses that I'm kind of creating for my clients. So it certainly can be less than that. Um, it all depends on the complexity of the problem that you're trying to solve. As an expert, I find that the, uh, or for experts, that helping them come up with their modules or sections is like really helpful to kind of declutter the chaos of their knowledge bank. How, like, how do people think, how should people think to develop, if they're doing like a top-down approach of like, okay, let me start with the big picture. What are the main modules that are needed? Like, how do they think through that to create sections? Because I feel yeah. like if they can do that, and then they have a limit of five actual lessons within those sections or modules or milestones. That's like really helpful. Yeah. But how can you pick? Like, yeah, well, I, I recommend just starting with brainstorming. Just, just you know, what what does somebody have to be able to do or know or think in order to get this solve this problem? And just brainstorm. Do it on. You can do it on a. a on a online mind mapping tool or just sticky notes, just write them all down just and get them out of your head. And once you've kind of, you know, um, got all of that out of your head, then you can see if they can be grouped into different sections. You'll probably see as you're kind of grouping them that certain themes pop up. And so those themes are going to be your sections. And then you can put them in those sections into a certain flow to allow them to get to that destination. So this is now your signature system of how to solve the problem. And then when you get into each section, let's say you've got a stack of different sticky notes, then you go through the question of, is this a need to know or a nice to know? And you keep only the need to know stuff in there. Um, and there, there is kind of the overall course outline of your course. That's beautiful. I think that's a, uh, one of the magic things of going from right brain, if you're, you got to give yourself permission, especially if you're a really organized person to go right brain and just do the mind map or the whiteboard or the index cards and just throw it all out there. And then you can ask your left brain to come in and be like, Hey, what, what patterns are we seeing? What's essential? Let's start organizing this. Cause that, I think that really helps experts kind of step out of, or just get out of the like overwhelm of I have so much in my head. <clears throat> yeah, because they often they approach it with what do I need? What do I want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's not what the prospect or the the students thinking like what do I want to listen to today? No, they have a problem. You said yeah. that what problem are you solving? What's the outcome? Yeah, exactly. And and it's always focusing on that as you are doing that brainstorming session. And and you know a brainstorming is anything's allowed. Just get it out there. Um, and take the time to 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 put it down. And you know, as you're doing this, um, it never hurts to you know ask your audience. You know, find out from them what they're struggling with because it may be different than what you think it is. So that will also give you some food for thought as part of the content for your course. Is always going to your audience and finding out what it is they are looking for or what they they perceive the problem is. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I noticed on your website, you have a strategy session. What goes on in those? <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, so the clients that I work with, um, they are experts in their field. They have a, 
they want to create a course, they, they have this idea they want to create a course, they have an idea of what the topic is, but again, their brains are swimming with information and they're not really sure of how to get all of that information out of their head and into a course that makes sense. So the, the strategy session I do with my clients is to really help them create the course outline for their course. So I, I walk them through that brainstorming session. I help guide them into the sections of their course and, and help outline for them what uh, what lessons should be within those sections. So once, because once you've got that foundation, once you've got that organized, creating the content within it is so much easier because you've got this path or this this destination that you need to achieve. And so you know the, 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 road, the blocks that you need to cover as you go along the way. So the course strategy session is all about getting all that information out of people's heads and into a course design that makes sense for them and for their students. That is awesome. And like I was talking about the many hats of course creators, if you face, you know, the what your situation is, and you you are not a highly developed teacher, um, you're an expert, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're good at marketing, maybe you've got a big Facebook group, but if, if, if you're community building, whatever, but you, you realize you're light on teaching, Cindy can really help you with that. Because it's fundamental. You have to get some things right there for it to work. And unfortunately, we see a lot at, in the course building ecosystem as we interact with different people. I've come to believe that people oftentimes build the course the wrong way or, or not the wrong, like in a backwards kind of way. And so what I mean by that is they, the expert will start like looking for membership plugins, course plugins, course platforms, like the tech. They go to the tech and then they're like, um, I need to go. And then once they have the tech, they're like, I need to go get some content. And then after they have some content, then, the, then they're like, I need to go get some community or some people to sell this to. I've, I've, from observation, I've noticed the ones that are more successful actually go through that the opposite way. They start by just start building community, whatever that is, Facebook group, Instagram page, email list, a local meetup, whatever it is, like that first, then content. And then once you have that and you're really clear on your curriculum design and how you want to do um, assignments and action steps, then you can go to the tech. But unfortunately, unfortunately, people go the other way. And I see them just get, go down the tech rabbit hole. Do you see that? Do you have any advice for people who are, you know, maybe considering the tech first or have already gone down that path to snap them into shape? Well, it's interesting because so many people get paralyzed by making the tech decisions. So, you know, inevitably when I'm, you know, been talking with people, it's like, well, what platform do I use? It's like, <laughs> and of course the platform and having all of the features that you want as part of your design is very important, but it's not necessarily the first decision that you need to make in putting the course together. But that's inevitably what people are struggling, struggling with partially because, well, I don't know what the answer is, but partially they feel, okay, well, I already know the content. Um, you know, and I already may have, you know, a bit of an audience. So the thing holding me back is a technology, but I think you are bang on in terms of the approach is to really, you want to have the community understand who your community is, what the problem is that you'd be solving for them, then figuring out a solution to solve that problem. And then ultimately, you know, how do you deliver it to them is, is kind of the, the final step in that whole process. But so many people get hung up, you know, well, what camera do I use? What microphone do I use? You know, it's, uh, I don't know if, if there's a part of, um, 
you know, a psychological resistance and that's how it's, you know, being portrayed is, is all of these questions that they can't make the decision on. Um, but it's definitely probably, uh, definitely not one of the biggest things that they may be needing to be thinking at about at the outset for sure. Just to piggyback on what you're saying, I do believe there is psychological resistance from my observation, whether that's fear of failure or fear of success. And sometimes like, going down like tech features that aren't essential is one of those areas that people, I just see like, you know, one inch from the finish line and, and we're in this rabbit hole that's not really necessary. And I think there is something psychological going in on there, myself included. I know I almost, I'm not surprised sometimes now when I notice within myself, my team or other people where like on the finish line of a launch, there's this, you know, something going on that's just like kind of slowing it down or whatever. It's it's really interesting actually <laughs> that this, yeah. this happens a lot. Yeah, and the tech is the easiest one to uh, find, you know, obstacles with, right? You know, um, in terms of finding excuses not to be able to move forward. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I've never thought about that. That's, that's true. Even in the, even in the in-person classroom, if, you know, the projector's not working or I can't get this, whatever, like text an easy target. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cindy, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and talking with us today. She's over at thecoursewhisperer.co. Is there anywhere else where people can go to connect with you or learn more about you and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So they can come uh, visit me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm starting to um, use that resource a little bit more. Or also, I have my Facebook page at, um, you know, The Course Whisperer that they can come see me at. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me, Chris. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.